it was so many just like people like, man, what is Nas doing with this with, with Hit Boy? Like they think I'm just niggas in Paris, you know what I mean? Give some advice on like how producers could step up their drum bounce from just the, you know, to with the eight oh eight. I feel like the quicker I do beats and the more simplified they are, the more placements I get. Go play twenty songs on the radio right now, strip the beat off. That shit ain't gonna work. I do want to talk about sickle mode. I added a bunch of like horns and the bass lines and synths and Kanye stripped all that away and just kept the loop in the drums. And then he was like, that's the beat. As a producer, like a real cheat code is. Alright man, so welcome back to another episode of the podcast, y'all. So listen, like, go like LA trip going crazy, but we're gonna end this one with a banger right here, man. We got one of the legendary producers, man. This one's the OG, but also he's like the rookie of the year every year. Cabred just coming out with new shit, man. So it's an honor to have Hip Boy on here. What's good with you? Oh, man, what's good with it? No, that's a good way to put it for sure. Keep reinventing this shit, but I definitely got the game from just being out here for a minute. And we got Mimi in the cut. Shout out Mimi from Producer Culture. Uh-huh. Right, so before we get to the interview, I'm just getting to so many credits. So many goddamn credits, y'all. But the main ones, man, we got Travis Scott, Jay-Z, Kanye West, Drake, Beyonce, Nicki Minaj, ASAP Rocky, Kendrick Lamar, Nipsey Hussle, Nash, Jeezy, uh, Young Thug, Big Sean. I mean, the list is like goes on and on and on. Bro. Yeah, for sure. How does it feel to just have that many web replacements? I mean, bro, it's just like I love the music. So it just becoming like, you know what I mean? Like, I don't really... I don't really do too much. I stay in my zone and just keep trying to elevate myself and it just keep happening over and over. You know what I mean? It's a good feeling. All right, so let's get straight into it, though. I do want to talk about Sickle Mode. First off, the song was fire. Really, I don't think no one really, like, covered, like, how that song came about. So, like, kind of just talk about, like, your contribution to the beat. Yeah, I, um, me and my boy Roger, we uh did the first part, like the part that Drake is on. And that's like really, it's like an extended part of that, but I never had a copy of that. Like Travis played it for me on FaceTime one time, but it's crazy because we uh we made the first beat over here at the studio, like 20, I would say like 2015, 2016. And uh, I... um. I had a session with Travis. I played him that beat and I, he didn't end up doing nothing to it, but he called me the night that Birds in the Trap came out because I had did uh, Way Back on uh, Birds in the Trap for Travis with Roger and with the homie C-Note. Um, and the night that came out, Travis hit me like, yo, I got a session with Drake. And he was like, I need you to send me that joint you played me. And it was that first intro part of Sicko Mode. And um, shit, like the next day, Travis FaceTimed me going crazy. He played me the joint over FaceTime and was like, yeah, this shit going to be, you know what I mean? It's going to be something. But it, we, you know, they held it for like two years because Birds in the Trap came out in 2016. So, and, and Astro World came out 2018. So, yeah, that shit was just a moment, man. Yeah, that shit was fire. So it was Travis' idea to do the switch over to take you. Yeah, I mean, I, yeah, I literally just gave him the beat for the first part, and he constructed it. You know what I mean? Did the session with Drake. He opened it up. Came with the whole sicko mode concept from that part, and then they just built on it. So I kind of like want to talk about like the basses that's in the song. So correct me if I'm wrong, but like in your part of the beat, I hear like two basses going back and forth. Um, it's a it's a keyboard bass. It was something that Roger played, but I like rearranged it. Even the organs, he didn't play them how you hear them right now. Like I just like you know he played them and I chopped them up, rearranged it. I put like the second section as the first section and just did some different shit with it, and um, it turned out to be what it is. 
That joint fire go like, yeah. That's one of my favorite. I feel like now, a lot of people don't even be knowing on Astro World. I did Carousel too. I did that whole beat Dolo. You know what I mean? Like uh, with Frank Ocean, I did that shit too. So like, just I was I was like a a, a decent part of the Astro moment. That's yeah, album fire. Ready for Travis to drop the new one, bro. Like albums like that, it's like you feel mm-hmm. me. It changed the whole sound of the production with mm-hmm. for sure. I feel like the biggest question, just going off of that, is like drum bounce. Like, how do producers Give some advice on like how producers could step up their drum bounce from just the, you know, to with the 808. Yeah, man, it's crazy because that's it's like, you know, we just in a different era right now. I mean, you got your music that's creative and that's in its own pocket. But then a lot of the popular stuff is just like the more simple shit. So it's like I feel like kids is kind of getting conditioned to be like, this is music. You know what I mean? It ain't Mm -hmm. really. So it's like if you do love the music enough to want to explore and do that shit, then you got to really. Just like explore, bro. Have fun. Like, don't get caught up in that trap. Don't get caught up in that. Oh, everything got to sound like the top of whatever playlist or whatever. You know what I mean? It's just like have fun with it. So you definitely like what's a what's a genre? You did like country shit yet? I've like uh, messed around with it, but I ain't never had nothing like come to full fruition and just come out. What's the what's the most like unorthodox like beats you had to do? As far as like, um, I did, bro. I did five songs on MIA album. You know, she like super abstract, yeah. different artists. I did a um. This was like 2011, 2012. I had did like five joints on her album, so that was super interesting sessions. You know what I mean? Like she, she in a whole different pocket, whole different bounce, and the way she write her music and just let that shit flow. Like you got to really be coming with some abstract, different waves. So like just looking back at all the songs you have, what would you say is like the most significant record for you? Most significant, one of them is "Racks in the Middle" for sure. You know what I mean? Just like seeing that process all the way from start to finish, being there for every part of every change. Like he was doing all the uh, vocals at my studio, so you know what I mean? Like I heard every part. Shit, he went back and changed shit that he took a minute to like get right. Like I just was there for the whole process, so that shit meant a lot. I heard you in, the, um, in one of your interviews uh, say another one was Ultra Black. Ultra Black for sure, yeah. I mean, that's that jumped off like me and Nas working. Like, that's mm-hmm. the first single we dropped together out of our first, I mean, out of our four albums we've done. So um, that shit's super significant. Kind of like, just talk about like the concept of Ultra Black. What was the meaning behind it? I mean, it was a... I mean, it's funny because we always going through heavy times. We got the situation that just went down with the police brutality and all that. So it was like when the George Floyd stuff was heavy and it was people looting over here where we at, like by Melrose and just like burning shit down. So we just like wanted to make some celebratory, like, you know, a lot of people make like black songs and then it'd be like heavy, sad. It'd be like. You know what I mean? Like, do we wanted to make something that had a, a, a bounce to it and just like had a good message? So we did a Mike and Keys interview yesterday and we was kind of just talking about like West Coast culture, you feel me? Like we're, we're, we're in Atlanta, so we don't really know too much about West Coast culture, but yeah. there's a lot of meshes that come behind the music. Just kind of talk about like the culture itself in LA. I mean, it's it's a it's a rich culture for sure. You know what I mean? You got your different areas, different sections, like everywhere. But it's just like the melting pot, just make it what it is. Like like um, I was just in uh the house party movie, my boy Calmatic. You know what I mean? I think he's from South Central. Just like for just to for me to see like these cult. I mean, I I knew Tyler the Creator when he was young. Before he was on, I knew a lot of these people, and just they always had just that L.A. about them, but, like, it was something that's just, like, elevated, you know what I mean? 
So I kind of want to go back. I'm, I remember when 21 said something. He said something. He didn't mean it in a disrespectful way to Nas, but he said something. And then Shade Room just took off with it. And then like a couple of weeks later, Nas and 21 dropped a song. Yeah. I feel like even producers could relate to that because, you know, like it's like, it's be a lot of bullshit between all the young generation and the OGs, but the OGs could definitely school the young generation. And of course, the young generation, like hip hop is ran by young people. Yeah, I mean? I mean, that's what we got to learn from each other. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? You can't ever get caught up in thinking that your way is the only way because you're going to see some shit that you ain't think you was going to see. You know what I mean? Like, it's going to be artists that pop out that's like, damn, I ain't even see that coming. And you got to be open to it. Uh, that's fact. So, like, just kind of, like, break down how did your relationship with Nas start? It started, like, 2013, for real. We, uh... We had a session, it was a vibe. We was just like, didn't record nothing, but I was playing him beats I was making for him and ideas. I had did some, like, just like a, a bunch of shit that I just played him and he sat there listening to everything and he was like, yeah, we gotta lock in. And nothing ever came about, um, nothing ever came from it at the time. And it's crazy, I actually before that, I did a session with Frank Ocean. This is right after uh, Watch the Throne came out. Did a session with Frank Ocean. We did a few ideas, and one of them, he was like, yo, I'm about to have a session with Nas. I'm going to play him this hook over this beat. And Nas actually fucked with it. It was a song called No Such Thing as White Jesus. And it's like a whole thing on online where, because I had lost the drive that Frank vocals was on. So when Nas wanted to use it, he couldn't even use it because I didn't have, you know what I mean? I didn't have Frank vocals, and I ended up finding that drive, then lost the shit again. It's just a crazy story. But that was the initial connection was through Frank Ocean. And then we linked up, played them ideas. And at the time, nothing just, you know, stuck. And... I reconnected with him through the homie Double. Double was uh, in the studio with him uh, and I think uh, the homie OG Parker. And uh, I saw that on the story and I was like, man, you should have Nas Slide, bro. I got some shit for him. And he pulled up the next day, bro. And he just been locked in with me since then. So being that you work with Nas a lot, what, what would you say are some beats that complement his sound? You said beats? Yeah. What type of beats complement I mean, sound? shit, you got to listen to the last four albums. That's like joints that I feel like I'm really making for Nas, you know what I mean? But just like not stuff that he's done already. It's like it's his pocket, but I try to just bring what I do to it, you know what I mean? Update the sonics, update the pockets, the bounce, and just let him still flourish in what he do. So what did you have to change in like your production process to complement those albums? Um, I mean, really just, I wouldn't say change, but just like just studying, you know what I mean? Studying his era a little more because I'm from the West Coast, Nas from the East Coast, obviously. And you know what I mean? That could be a barrier, but I just went back and I, I studied, listened to his albums, like really like just dove into the stuff that people love from him and just like try to take some of that and mix it with what I do, man. And we shit, we four albums in, so... It's like he, some, I mean, we, that's like 54 joints in two years. You know what I mean? Like, it's just like we in a, in a groove with it. Nah, like some I took from this LA trip because Kenny B spoke on it in Mike and Keys. First, Kenny Beast was talking about like really learning your artists, like learning the culture of the artists, learning yeah. the language of your artists. Just, it's just more about the sound. And then Mike and Keys was saying like just really learning what goes on in the session and stuff like that. And it just makes me feel like the younger generation, especially like our age, could take from this because we do a lot of, oh, I like this. Let's copy this. and Exactly. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, right. Copy this without throwing our own foundation and sound into shit. You feel me? Mm -hmm. So when like you and Kenny Beats and just OGs come in and they be like, nah, you know, 
we take our sound, we take what they like, we throw it in together. That's like real good advice to the community. No, 1000%, bro. Like, shit. Yeah, just even with that, you know what I mean? Like, um, I work with Nas, it'll literally just be me and him in there. I'm doing the beats, he doing the rhymes and shit. And then certain times, a lot of times you work with younger artists, they gonna pull up with five, six, seven, maybe 10 niggas with them, you know what I mean? And it's like, I'm I'm really here to do like my job. And some people flourish in that. In that. And it's like, I've, I've worked plenty of times. I had my own sessions with a bunch of people in there, but... When you really trying to cultivate something special, like you gotta protect that that space and that energy. So that's why I feel like me and Nas can flow like this because it's really most of the time just us in the studio. Mm. It ain't no bunch of outside opinions and you know what I'm saying. People just like throwing off the the zone we in, throwing off the vibe. It's just like, bro, we gonna do what we feel was really inspiring us. Like if we not looking at each other. And and then having that face like, oh, this shit hard, then we got to go back to the drawing board and we keep that as the base of everything. So can you talk more, like, can you expand more on like connecting with artists and like how you build your connection with artists? I mean, I, I feel like, man, for me, my shit has always just been organic. Like I connect with who I connect with. I don't connect with everybody, you know what I mean? But the people I do connect with, it's just like, I feel like it's bigger than even just the music. Like, you know what I mean? I could sit there and talk to them and we could have a, a real conversation and then that rolls over into the music. You know what I mean? Like, I'm real close with Dom Kennedy and one of the best song makers, in my opinion. And um, just being able to be around his energy and learn from him. And I look at Nas the same way. Amazing songwriter, amazing song maker. Like, that shit just like, I don't know. It's just like... You got to take advantage of the moments being around that level of artistry. Have you ever had like a situation where like you run into an artist and you try to like shoot your shot or say let's work, but it don't really work out in that situation. But like, let's say like a year down the line, y'all end up working together. Plenty of times. Yeah. yeah, plenty of times. And honestly, bro, as a producer, like a real cheat code is having an artist that want to fuck with you. And if that if it don't work out, it's so many times I didn't book the full session with somebody sat there, cooked up, made a beat. They didn't pick it. And then a whole nother artist ended up getting it, bro. Like a, probably like three to four joints that Kanye hopped on was like beats I made in the sessions for other people. But I took that inspiration. And I took that moment to like be like, okay, I'm about to deliver for this. And then it just like ended up becoming his own thing later. Oh, that's facts. That's hard. I fuck with it. So going back off of Nas, I ain't question that producer want to know like, where's your go-to to find samples? Anywhere, everywhere. I mean, we in a we in a, the new age, bro. I'm coming straight off YouTube. You know what I mean? Like real heads might be like, nah, you gotta hook up a record player and do all this, but it's like, you know, that's cool too. But however you get it is how you get it. Like, I mean, I got years and years, bro. I still got all my sounds from like 06, 07, maybe but I got sounds from 03 in my computer, bro. I started making beats in 03. Like, you know what I mean? My first CD I had. I got I got those sounds still. So it's like just collecting over the years. And then sometimes I might be on YouTube. I might be anywhere and just hear some shit. You got Shazam now. Like, you know what I mean? Like you in a story, you hear something, pull a phone out, see what it is. It's like I'm wherever I can pull inspiration from, I'm pulling it. All right. So going into the dog, when you're chopping samples, what's your favorite sampling tool? Either if it's not uh fruity slicer, I use FL Studio. Been on uh been on FL since two thousand three. You know what I mean? And uh, I use the slicer, or I just throw that joint right on the grid, bro, and just go in like and just chop, just cut, move stuff, and just get it right in the right pocket. So, 
Um, you, you was about to say something. No, you go ahead. Oh, okay. Um, can you just talk on the importance of sampling and like um how sampling has changed from like back then versus now? And what do you think are some good methods of sampling? Um, I mean, I feel like just speaking to hip hop, like that's a big part of what hip hop is, is taking inspiration from other stuff and making it your own, you know what I mean? And um, yeah, just like how it's evolved is more so like, you know, people was trying to find that soul or trying to find that groove or whatever. Now it's like you got a billion loop makers, you know what I mean? Like that's the new sampling, like motherfuckers looping up or chopping up some somebody sent them and you know that's just is what it is. That's the era we in. So we got this uh we asked the community for some questions and we got a fan question here. He says, on records like legit from KD three, you sampled the five heartbeats. Yeah. Uh was that your idea or Nas idea? That was uh, my idea. I just love that movie. My family always play that movie, you know what I mean, since I was a kid and watching it, loving that scene and just like really looking it up and realizing like, damn, nobody ever got this off. Nobody sampled this. Like that's that's unbelievable to me, you know what I mean? And just when I looped it up and it's crazy because I um I had chopped that up around the time when we did uh, Shout the Homie Duke. We did the easy joint for Game and Kanye. And um, so like me and Kanye was in communication. I was sending him ideas, sending him beats, and that was a beat that I chopped up. And I sent him that first part. It didn't, it didn't do the transition yet until later on when it, when it, when it became a KD three record. But at first it was just that chop, and I was I hit Kanye like, bro, you gotta hop on this. Didn't do nothing with it. Then I played it for uh, Nas, and he built it out and turned it into what it is. I kind of want to get into like the politics of sampling. So, like, how much percentage would he? Like the people who own the masses of the sample that you're using today, it varies, bro. Like you know what I mean. Like, it's like the worst thing. It's like even more than somebody taking a hundred percent. Like it's them denying it. You know what I mean. Like that's like damn. If you get a hard ass beat, and then the company don't want to clear for whatever reason, somebody passed away or whatever. It's like a lot of stuff you got to deal with because these artists is some from the 50s, 60s, 70s, not even here no more. So it'd be hard to track people down you can't get it done and you got to remake it i mean that happened to me a few times like where i had to remake joints like the first king's disease like i think like three samples came back like unclearable so i had to emulate that feeling but give it my own spin so there's a lot of new producers that don't necessarily know how to go about like clearing the sample can you break down that process um, I mean, it's people who do that. You got to just reach out to them people that's really in that field that that really lock in with that. I'm literally in the middle of it right now, like just reaching out to people that that's what they do. All right. So someone, uh, someone asked you in the older interview, how would you describe your production style? And you said, my style is not having a style. I could do any style. I could do any lane. And that's why I'm not burnt out. And I feel like this is a good topic to talk about because. You know, especially me as a producer, like I want to aim this year to be versatile. So kind of like just give the community advice on how to expand out their comfort zone. Man, I go back to what I was saying earlier, just like exploring with this shit, having fun, experimenting, trying different genres, trying stuff that you wouldn't that usually wouldn't be your go to. Because I feel like, you know, speaking from personal experience and just seeing like patterns, like people getting to that pattern of like, OK, a lot of stuff could start having that similar groove or that similar using that same uh kit you know what i mean same kick clap snare whatever it's like you got to be able to take something that's not even a snare and make it a snare like take something that's not even a kick make that a kick try different shit that just like uh, elevate what you do and make it unique it's about being unique for real you know what i mean yeah your sound selection like just some of the drums you be using like you never 
You dropped the drum kit before? Or you never? Never dropped the drum kit, but it's some online that motherfuckers didn't fake put together. So <laughs> that's funny, but um, nah, I never dropped the kit. Not yet. It's something that you plan on, Jolly? Yeah, I mean, when the time is right, for sure. I'm still in this thing, bro. I'm still moving. Like, I'm still like, and I still got like, you know what I mean. I just got the OG old school mentality, bro. Like, I'm trying to be the illest still. You know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Even though I feel like it, it ain't really that no more. Everybody gonna have their space, have their zone. Like, but you know what I mean. I'm just like, I'm trying to go crazy every time. I fuck with that. Everybody, nigga, like everybody that come on, they always they they stay like they act like. Like this a new day You feel me I got no placements I'm still grinding type shit Oh yeah no, I I, I go in the studio Every day like I ain't done nothing And I feel like That's why I'm able to keep Doing this shit Keep my name going Keep my placements going Whatever the case is Like cause I approach this shit Like it's my first time Making a beat And then once I get something Then it's like the Technicality Side of everything Kick in And then so I can do The professional part But when you first Creating You gotta just be Having fun with it so let's get back for the younger people that are watching and they don't really know about the come up. Let's kind of like go back in there. So kind of just talk about like where you from and how you got started in the making music. Yeah, I'm a shit. I'm from Pasadena slash IE. I actually lived in Pasadena longer than I lived in the IE for real. But I claim that so heavy because you know what I'm saying I like that was like my teenage years. That was like a lot of placements I got. Like I made niggas in Paris. I made backseat freestyle, Goldie, One Train, all them at my mom's crib in Fontana. You know what I mean? So I started going by Tony Fontana, like Tony in my city on some Tony Montana shit. And um, uh, my uncle did music. My uncle was in a group. Or my family, you know what I'm saying? Just always love music. And when I was shit, 18, I met the homie Chasing Cash. We started doing our shit together. We both signed to Polo to Don. And when I was 19, I moved to Atlanta to, to rock with Polo. Like, you know what I mean? I had never lived in another state or nothing like that. But I just took that chance, you know what I'm saying? And moved to Atlanta, locked in. He had a studio situation where me and Chase could work 24-7. He was bringing in writers. Publishers was bringing in writers, bringing in artists. And I got to really just learn the game. Like, that shit was priceless. You know what I mean? I had, everybody had a they moments. They feel ways. They feel ways about people. They feel ways about the game. But at the end of the day, like, I got to really learn some professional shit being around Polo. You know what I mean? He was killing, killing the game, like, on a different level. So I just got to really see the, what, it, what it really is. So, oh. so what was um when did you first learn or start making beats and what was your learning process like in FL Studio? Um, uh, the kid that I was in, a, I was in a group like two thousand two, two thousand three. He made all the beats, and I always thought the program FL looked like just like some video game shit almost. You know what I mean? I was heavy playing video games, and I just was like, yo. I hopped on one day, just messing around. He was like kind of showing me how to like move around with the patterns and. I just like, you know, this shit fun, actually. Like, I, w- I want to do this. So I was like 15, and, and I've been on FL the whole time, seen from version three all the way till now. Do you like, do you play any instruments? I play keys enough to make beats. So kind of like you had mentioned your uncle earlier, so kind of like talk about the, the his impact, on, like his, yeah. his music impact on you. <clears throat> yeah, my uncle, my shout my uncle Rodney. He, uh, man. The whole lifestyle, bro. He had it all, you know what I mean? Like, from the music, he they, his group had hits. They had the style. They were some of the best performers ever. And I just got to see all, like, studio sessions, video shoots at, like, four or five years old, watching this. And it's like, 
I don't know how I'm going to be a part of this shit, but I, I know I'm going to be a part of it. So let's talk about Surf Club. How did Surf Club start? Surf Club shit. We was just young kids, like 17. Um, Me, the homie Chili Chill, BC. That was like the original three that it, it really, really started with. And then later on, we, you know, I met Stacy. I met Chasing Cash, G Rye, all of them, Kent Money. Um, but the original three was was us, you know what I mean? And um it really was it didn't even start on no music shit for real. It just was like we was young and felt like we was some wavy niggas, you know what I mean? And just ran with it. And uh my boy Chill, Chili Chill, he started just like saying the song, like saying the the name in some of his songs, and then we all just adapted and just kept just pushing the brand. So kinda like <laughs> I ain't gonna lie. I'm finna go back, but like, run us like, what was the hustle like on MySpace selling beats back then? Man, that shit was, uh, I wasn't even, I don't know if I was looking at it like, let me sell some shit. It was more about like the exposure. Like, it was like, okay, I see what's going on now. Like, people tapping in and it's a real community. So, <clears throat> I would just like update my page all the time. Like, I would just like make remixes of songs that was out. I would make beats and just be like, I'm about to put this joint up. And it just kept getting more and more people, you know, requesting me, fucking with me. And that's when I uh, met Polo. I forgot what beats was even on my page at the time, but whatever was on there, he like was hitting me up like, yo, this shit hard. He whooped and he ended up uh, probably like a couple months after we uh, tapped in, he ended up giving me like 13 racks cash. And uh, it was for some beats. He was like, you know, you know, give me some beats, whatever, whatever. I'm going to give you this cash. And we worked out a situation. This was before the pub deal even. Like, you know what I mean? He just was rocking with my beats. So he, like, paid me for some beats. I don't know if he wanted to use them for his artists because he had Zone 4 at the time with Rich Boy, Kerry Hilson. But he copped some beats off me, bro. And I was like, yo, that's, like, the most money I had seen. I was 18. Where, like, I had, like, the little 13 racks. And I'm like, Psh, bro, I got to do this shit for life. So talk about some of the first artists that you were working with. Um, man, it was out in Atlanta. We was we was really working with a lot of a lot of writers. Uh, one of the writers was Carrie Hilson, you know, who's also an artist. So we got to just see it at a professional level. Um, we was able to go around like because we lived in Atlanta. We used to go to DTP Studios and um see Luda, see Two Chains early. Like I had a relationship with Two Chains in like '07. I used to feed him beats. He just hey, like boy. right, right. He just rocked with me so. Um, man, yeah, I just worked with a lot of people. The first placement I, I, I've I ever got, like, on paper, on a professional, like, label was a, a J-Lo placement, for real. Can you talk about how that came about? That was through my publishing company. And uh, the songwriting team that Carrie Hilson used to be a part of was The Clutch with the homie JQ and Candice and a lot of them. So the publishing company published both of us. They got us together. They wrote the song over the beat. They pitched it to J-Lo and she like, she her album was basically closed and she heard the song. It was like, oh, I'm going to cut this and put it on the album. So it worked out like that. Yeah, that's dope. All right, so let's jump a little bit to 2011. You end up signing with Good Music. So kind of talk about how that came about. Man, that was, uh, that was a crazy time for real. Like I, I had really kind of just moved back from Atlanta. Um, probably like a year and a half, two years before that. And I just was back to grinding, like thugging at my mom crib or wherever I could be to just, you know, do my thing. And um, 
the homie uh, hit me up and said that Kanye cousin Ricky was like trying to get a hold of me, whatever. He wanted some joints for Kanye. And I just thought it was whatever. Niggas just talking and it just ended up really working out. You know what I mean? I was sending beats. I was sending packs. Like I kept loading the homie Ricky up with joints. And he was like, yo, I'm playing these joints for Ye and he fucking with him. But he ain't just, he ain't found that one yet that he gonna, you know what I mean? Go in on. And, uh. Then he ended up hitting me like, yo, Kanye got a Christmas song to one of your beats. And it was a Christmas in Harlem joint. And from there, it was like two months later, flew out to uh, Abu Dhabi, went to New York, was just like running around with Kanye, locked in, making songs. So what did you learn working with good music and how did it help your production? Um, shit, I learned, man, that you got to... You got to have your thing together, man. Like you got to really be moving at a professional speed and a professional level because you'll you'll get left behind quick. Like you got to like that really showed me like, oh, this is the top, top, top level. You feel me? All right. So let's talk about niggas in Paris. I was like, that's crazy. (laughs) I mean, watching that shit on uh, what's the shit called? Uh, BET 106 in part. Uh, oh yeah, just give us like a. I know you ain't got the screen in front of us. Kind of just give us like a beat breakdown of that record. Also, shout out to Mike Dean on that too. Bro. Mm-hmm. Crazy. Uh, for sure. Um, I um, mean, shit, bro. Just that was me just having fun making beats at the crib, and um, really, I uh, I said I said this on the Rap Caviar podcast, but it was really um Bangladesh who inspired the bounce on that because he had the snare going constant on the four and uh. I just was like, I kind of took that shit. You know what I mean? I just like, that shit was ill to me. So I took it for a part and combined it with that 808. And then I just had that. Um, I think G. Ryan might have gave me a pack of uh, sounds. I will always trade sounds with different producers. And you know what I mean? That's just how the game go. That was uh, just like a loop that uh, G. Ryan had gave me. And uh, shit, I threw it in there and then added. I had a bunch of other instruments that i added from my phantom i think i had an f6 that polo gave me actually i added a bunch of like horns and the bass lines and synths and kanye stripped all that away and just kept the loop in the drums and then he was like that's the beat right there damn that's the sense was probably crazy too though the beat sounded big but it's like he wanted it to just be like you know more simple and that that taught me a lot bro because even early in my career, me and Chase, we, you know, we used to make beat after beat just going in and we would have sessions with writers, artists, and they would be like, yo, this shit is amazing, but it's too much going on. You know what I mean? It's like, and that was a true testament to like, damn, one of my biggest songs ever is one of my most simple beats. Like they stripped away all the extras and that's something I still hold to this day. Like, I feel like the quicker I do beats and the more simplified they are, the, the more placements I get. That's so crazy because in the um the Boy Wonder interview, he said the same thing. Like one of the most important lessons that he learned was that less is more. Yeah, exactly. Um, and okay, so you said that Bangladesh like kind of inspired the uh, niggas in Paris beat. So let's talk about like some older producers that like, you know, kind of inspired you. Man, oh, all type of producers, man. From the R&B side, like Babyface, Teddy Riley, Underdogs, a um, lot of people. um. Obviously, Kanye, Timberland, Pharrell, Neptunes, um, a lot of people, man, for sure. So let's get into uh, some of the new releases you have coming out. So you got a song called Two Live, but Offset, Two Certified, Avellino, Tony Fontana, what featuring Currency, yeah. uh, Corsa with Dom Kennedy. Let's get into those. Yeah, I mean, psh, 
that's just where I'm at, just like expressing my own perspective on shit over the type of joints that I really feel in my soul. And that's just what it is, you know what I mean? Just like having fun with it. I always made my own music, been dropping my own projects, dropping my own songs. And um, now it's just like I'm just being more consistent with it and having just like the most fun I didn't have with this shit. Uh, like I said earlier, bro, I'm, I'm fucking with like the producers, kind of really pushing, yeah, dropping their own songs and stuff. Cause we really yeah. know everything. We know the music, mm-hmm. the groove. Nah, for sure. Everything. We have for the we have for the song, bro. Even though we don't get treated like that for real, you know what I mean? Like, go 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 play twenty songs on the radio right now. Strip the beat off. That shit ain't gonna work for the people. You know what I mean? So it's like that's what we gotta do. Like niggas like Metro, all the homies who just like pushing this shit forward and just like taking control of the producer space like that's what it's about all right so we're gonna get into like the producer we call it producer nerd questions but like the technical questions now yeah. and stuff so first question is what's the production tool that you gotta have no matter what production tool. So what i mean production tool like a vst vst um i mean bro a lot of my eqs i just use straight fl stock shit for real but um Omnisphere, obviously, that's you can get anything out of there. You know what I mean? Where's your go-to Omnisphere? Like, what's your go-to bank in there category? Um, I mean, the the sound I would probably say I use the most is that like the green, that Taurus bass. Like, you know what I mean? It just got that texture to it. Mm-hmm. So you did records like Selena Gomez, Good for You, and Ariana Grande, Better Off. What was the process of making records like that? Like that style, style of sound is completely yeah. different from like you know regular beats that you make for, you know, rap artists. Right, but like I said, in 07, my first placement was J-Lo, so I already had that trajectory in me, you know what I mean? Just like, it's the same with, um, you know, when we first announced that we was doing the Nas album. It was so many just like people like, man, what is Nas doing with this, with, with Hit Boy? Like, they think I'm just niggas in Paris, you know what I mean? They think I'm just the club guy, like the, when it's like, nah, like now we four albums in and you understand what's going on, but it's just the same with that. Like, I'm just a music person, bro. Like, so whatever I make, I'm going to try to make it fit and just cater to that artist to the best it can be. So as far as them two songs, though, that was just, they reached out to me and, wanted to lock in and that's like shit that's the best thing you can ask for it's like like them sending them unsolicited beats like that shit do and can and will get you somewhere here and there but like really having an artist that wants to lock in with you that's where you want to get to so kind of like go back like i know you talked about it a little bit but it's kind of like break down what was your learning process like because you know how to play keys and then like you're very versatile like your first placement was j-lo you got pop records you got you could do r&b you could do trap so like what was the learning process like? Now that I think about it, it's kind of like I learned that by just like being a copycat. Like I was like literally trying to make beats that sounded exactly like Timbaland, sounded exactly like Kanye's. I went through my phase of making beats that sounded like Pharrell. I went through my R&B ballad phase trying to copy the underdogs. And I feel like that's probably what clicked in my mind to where like, okay, I can I can make this fit in any lane, but it's like I had to develop and just keep locking in to making my own thing so you wouldn't hear it and think that, oh, he just copied this other producer. Yeah, I feel that. I feel yeah. that. A lot of niggas, they always talk about how they like remake beats and shit. I never did the remake shit, bro. I don't know. I just... I just don't know where to start. Like, how the fuck do I find huh, this? Yeah, no, I never sound. really did remakes, but just like put my own twist on what mm-hmm. I thought, you know, it was supposed to sound like. All right, so the next question is, what is your top VSTs for making melodies? I already know you said Omnisphere, but what's some other? Omnisphere, um, Trillion, 
Trillion. I ain't gonna lie, gang. Them niggas sleep on Trillion, bro. I just yeah. got Trillion like two years ago, but mm. bro, y'all sleep. Trillion nah, got like you're the best not for bases. sure. They got crazy bases. I mean, every sound, every type of sound. Um, bro, I can't, I can't even call it. Like, I don't use a whole lot of, mm-hmm. whole lot of shit. You know what I mean? It keep, I keep it simple. Now you did talk earlier about using the Phantom. So, like, is there any kind of, kind of like analog gear, hardware, sims, or workstations that you went to? Yeah, nowadays it's more so like working with a keyboardist who might have a rare keyboard. Like that's how the sicko mode shit came about. Like um Roger had just got like a crazy keyboard that had a you know different sounds in it, and that's how we was able to just like cook up. So it's like I mean I'm open to exploring with whatever, but I mean I ain't really got a specific thing I could say. For sure, for sure. I ain't gonna lie, I be trying to get like the. Sim sauce for niggas and shit. I just got into it like two years ago. So I've been trying to get like the sim sauce. Yeah, yeah. You went to like uh like compressors or like guitar pedals, any shit like that? I, I mean, like, just like the the VST joints, just like regular guitar stuff that you could throw on instruments and give them that texture. Uh, but, but like I said, bro, I, I keep it real clean, simple. I use straight stock FL EQs and reverbs and shit for the most part. I mean, obviously, you you put it in Pro Tools after FL, so we gonna sauce it up more. But I keep it I keep it simple as possible. Yeah, hey, so you got like a secret like stock underrated plugin. I forget. Uh, I know Metro was saying Flex Gold. It was another nigga that said something. Who was it? Was it Boy Wonder? Or something? He was saying something. And I was think like, it what was the fuck Boy is Wonder. that? I don't know, bro. I'm so random with this shit. Yeah, like I literally just pull up something just to give me a different perspective. Like, oh, I ain't used this one, but it's like I don't even be deep diving in this shit for real. But like when I was just um the other day when I was like listening to your songs and stuff, it was one song that I kind of like really fuck with the piano. I, I don't know how to pronounce the name. Dreezy. 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 So the song is real, ain't real, and like on the keys, you can hear like this. Like saturation shit Like I don't even right. know It's like distortion So uh-huh. it leads me to ask Like what's your favorite VST When it comes to like Manipulating or flipping the sound Um, I mean psh, Bro Shit is simple as like RC20 Or like a tape cassette Type thing And mm. Yeah just like I just be exploring Till it just hit my ear The right way Like I be the type of nigga To just click 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 Until it just sound right You know what I mean okay. I get a new VST nigga And I don't need Look at the knobs for real. I just go to the uh, preset, no, hit the arrows for that shit. Facts, like, till it sound right. I've always been that type of person. So like earlier, we were talking about drum bounce and we were talking about how less is more. But on songs like uh, Respected with Big Shine and Thug, yeah. you listen to that song, the drums are like, I don't want to say they're too busy. I mean, they're busy. They're not, mm-hmm. they don't have as much space as like, you know, like niggas in Paris. Right. And it just shows like you could still have busy drums you have the right that artist. Work. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like talk about that. Just making the sounds work, you know, even like I said, I come from just like overcrowding the beat. So like, you know what I'm saying? That's like a thing that I can do, but just like making sh- like now versus it being kind of all over the place, I'll just make shit really work together and make it sound like it's supposed to be there. So as a professional in this industry, like what do you think some mistakes are that um, upcoming producers make? Um, I would say just being too in a rush to just to be a part of the industry. You know what I mean? It's like when you nice, they gonna come to you. You know what I mean? It's like you gotta put your best foot forward and you gotta learn how to be a people person and be out there. But at the end of the day, if you got some ill shit, somebody gonna find you. You know what I mean? And you gotta just like 
take advantage of every opportunity. Like me, I was like anywhere I could be, like playing my beats, I would be playing them. Like I remember being like 17, going to studios. I couldn't even get the studio. So I'm in the lobby on a DVD player with a CD playing my beats, hoping somebody walked by and hear them. You know what I mean? Just like take advantage of all every opportunity you can to just like be heard and just make sure you're ready. So what are some challenges you faced as an up-and-coming producer and how did you overcome them? I mean, I, I I would say like probably a lot of stuff a lot of people went through just like trying to navigate, trying to figure it out. And mostly I would say the business side, like, and that, you know, that I feel like I could take my own advice. Like, you know, I wish I, I had somebody to like guide me and just like to know that you know, if I'm nice, I'm going to end up in the right place. And then sometimes you got to take that leap. You got to go through certain shit that you got to go through to get to the other side. But a lot of stuff can be avoided just by being patient and just like by really believing in yourself. So while you're speaking on the business, can you just give like, I'll say like three key advice for like, you know, doing good business in the music industry? Man, pay attention to everything that's in the contract. Don't just like sign it, you know, when they say, okay, yeah, it's cool. Like, make sure that you know what's going on, depending on the situation. Like, make sure you got an exit plan. Like, make sure, okay, after a certain amount of time, if this ain't working out, you're not happy, I'm not happy, it's not making no money, I know how I can get out this. Because, you know, I personally ended up in a deal where I'm still in a deal now since 07, you know what I'm saying? Like, that's too long, bro. That's yeah. too long And I'm just now Getting to the point Where I'm gonna be out That deal You know Relatively soon But still For me to have made Some you know Big records Been on big albums Been a part of You know Historical moments Of music And to still be stuck In a deal I didn't make sure I had an exit plan But I didn't know that Back then Alright so we are gonna Switch it up We do got a couple More fan questions I guess it's more Like story time Cause they really wanna know A story about something But one person said I seen you cook up At Conway Studios That's a legendary studio Elton John Stevie Wonder He asked if you got Any crazy stories About that place Man I mean I brought up Carousel Earlier we was working On Astro World, And that was uh, The first time I heard, I heard Sicko Mode Put together Travis played me Cause I, at first I had just heard my part then he was like, yo, peep this. He played me. It's like, oh, it's this shit switch up twice. Like, it's on some other shit for real. And we had a session with Frank, Frank Ocean, and we did the carousel joint. So I was just going through joints, going through joints. And then it was just that moment that just like they both clicked. Like Frank and Travis both was like, that's it. And they just stood up and they literally did this carousel and bro, 20, 30 minutes max. You know what I mean? That was just an ill moment. All right, so another one is, can you describe your experience at staying at the Mercer Hotel and working closely with Kanye during the Watch the Throne, Watch of Throne sessions? That was unbelievable, you know what I mean? That was like, wow, like this, like this, the big leagues for real, like, and I just was taking in so much. It was from the lifestyle shit that he was on, like seeing that, seeing him get fly, seeing him make the music, seeing him interact with people, like just like somebody I had been idolizing for so long embracing me like I remember one time um Kanye gave me some samples he wanted me to go chop up and he I'm walk like it was like Jay-Z in the room and some other people and he basically like tell Jay-Z like watch how quick this nigga do this shit cuz I guess like FL was a kind of a new thing to him like as far as just like a younger producer just knocking shit out fast and like literally maybe like 8 to 10 minutes later 
after I went back to the room, he hit me like, yo, you're supposed to be back over here already. So it's like, I just was like, oh, this this is like, you got to be on that time and like, you got to be really ready being in New York, being around everybody from Sean working. He was working on his first single, My Last with Chris Brown. I watched like the, like him coming to play the final mix for Kanye and Kanye approving it. Like I was in there for that. Being around Cuddy, like I said, locking in with him, doing shit. We we end up doing records that end up coming out down the line on some whole other shit from those sessions. And I did Pusha T, My God, in those sessions. I worked on a couple like songs for John Legend that came out on his album back in the day. I was just doing a lot, and I just I was taking advantage of the opportunity that was right in front of me. Can you um, talk about like Kanye's energy? Like, what do you think makes him? such a um you know timeless artist like because he don't he don't spare nobody feelings you know what i mean it's like bro if you're not, <laughs> That's a fact. If, you're not if you're not on his wavelength then you're not moving with his tenacity and how how you know advanced he is then it's just like it's not gonna work out you know what i mean you like you you want to elevate you got to be elevated being around a person like that what's the i remember that mean bro and uh it was doing donda and the engineer came late and the nigga, um, uh-huh. and the nigga said, go find yeah, let's go find God, find God. Yeah, nah, he he. That's that's really him, bro. Like you gotta be working on a thousand to be around, you know, people on that level. And it just taught me, like, bro, this shit is real. You know what I mean? This shit is really real. Now, since I'm looking at the credits, I totally forgot about this song, but I remember, like, I was probably like 15 when this shit came out. Let's talk about trophies by Drake. Trophies, yeah. That was ill. That was supposed to be on Nothing Was The Same, man. It was a whole thing, like, you know what I'm saying, where, like, him and his whole team definitely, like, told me that shit was going on the album, and I was, like, a little upset after it didn't make the album, but, you know, it came out and had its own moment, so it was ill, but um, shit, bro. Just, like, even that, I had went up to Toronto, like, Drake flew me out there, man, straight, King levels, you know what I mean? Got to see like how he moved. Got to see him locking in, and um, nothing else came of that shit. But you know, we ended up putting trophies out, so that was ill. So before I ended up, I just want to ask you one more question. So when well, talk us through like the process of click, like did you know all of those artists was gonna be in it on it at the beginning, or like was everybody um, just adding on? Nah, click. Um, I think I've said this before, but that started out. Um, over a beat that I did for Dom Kennedy, this song called CDC with him and Casey Veggies. Um, Sean, somehow, I think I had sent the beat to Kanye before I did the song with um, Dom. I didn't know that Kanye was fucking with that beat till like later on down the line. So I'm in the stool, they pull up the beat and I don't even say nothing at the time. Like, I don't even tell them like Dom got a song on this shit or nothing. They just vibing on it. And literally, uh, Sean just start saying that click line, you know what I mean? He went in on it, did his thing, and next thing you know, that shit was... Um, matter of fact, I had to tell them, I'm like, yo, this beat already got released, so we flipped it. It was like that 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 um, that bass sound was like a bell. It was like a different type of sound, and we just like kind of half-timed it and made it a bass line and kept the same drum vibe, same drum, damn near sounds, and turned that shit up and I put that African voice that's in the back you know what I mean it's kind of sound like hiccups or whatever like it's like yeah. yeah I had found that and Kanye was going crazy over that sound and that was just ill uh, I ended up hearing it cause we did that shit we started it in London we all went on a trip over there locked in Sean did the uh, hook 
Next thing you know, months later, um, I was working with Beyonce. I was out there in the out there in the Hamptons, locked in, working on a Beyonce album that came out in what, 2013. And um I just heard the song playing crazy. So I ran in the studio and that was it was Ye had pulled up and was playing the song, the final mix for Hove and B. And I was like, oh, this shit out of here. How many years? You over a decade. Oh, no, for sure. Me, my first placement was 07, bro. Yeah, me, that's 16 in. So, like, to end it out overall, like, what are your thoughts on hip hop and rap today? And, like, where do you see it going in the future? It's crazy because, you know, a lot of people just, I feel like every era has had something to complain about. Like, I seen a, um, interview when Tupac was damn near dissing uh, MC Hammer, you know what I mean? Like, it's like, it's, you always gonna have your music that fits that criteria that's for the general public that's not really for, I would say, the, the music lovers, but just for the average person who just might want to hear a song in public or some shit. So you always gonna have that type of sound that's just, like, kind of disposable, but, um... Yeah, I just kind of lost my track of mind. <laughs> <laughs> Where do you think that hip-hop is going in the future? Um, bro, but I, that's what I was about to say. I want to get back to that. Like, I was gonna say like how it's just like always gonna be kind of about the younger generation and like the general public. That's who's gonna run them numbers up, run them streams up. Go like, you know, what I'm saying it's like not too many people that. Not to say it's not too many people because it's a, l- a lot of motherfuckers that love music, but not everybody love music. You know what I mean? So it's like you gotta just have your areas in this shit. You gonna have a high elevated. Shit, and then you're gonna just have music that somebody just so happened to get lucky with a hit. You know what I mean? So you gotta just be open and just accept what's going on. So I, I know that's an ending question, but wait, we always wait. ask this. We I was always... gonna say, before you end that, can you just, what does is, what is being a producer mean to you? Being a producer to me is just like seeing the whole vision, like from inception to the final product. And being a part of that, making sure that you can do more than just make the beat and drop it off. You know what I mean? That's why it's like I people don't even know out of the 54 songs that Nas dropped, I probably engineered 50 of them motherfuckers. You know what I mean? Like really sat there, recorded him, punching him in. Really? Doing, you know what I mean? It's just like oh, beyond crazy. just like the beat making shit. Like, and that's that makes me a better artist. That makes me a better producer, like really yeah. being in the trenches with him. Hold on, hold on. So I, I didn't know that. Yeah, you I didn't know you engineered. We gotta talk about that. We gotta go back a little bit. So, I right, boom. This is real good. I, I like that you said that because now we could talk about mixing. Wow. All the producers. There's nothing wrong with it. Like nigga, I know you level beats. You feel me? That's the main thing for producers. Mm. But kind of just talk about some like advanced mixing techniques for producers that's looking to improve in their mix for their So job. I didn't mix the songs, but I recorded his vocals. Like I tracked his vocals. You know what I mean? And mm. got it to a place to where it was. You know the engineer can see the vision basically. That's that makes like my boy David Kim. He mixes like he mixed every album for me and Nas. He mixed mo- like ninety five percent of my shit. So, um, I just kind of like a it's like a perfect triangle offense. Like me and Nas get in there do our thing. We get it to sound in the illest it can sound just between us. And then once we hand it off to David, it's just like it's there. But you know, just like that shit is important, man. Like to just be more than just a beat maker. All right, so get, get some tips to recording uh, engineers. Engineers that's watching, they interning at studios right now. Man, you got to really read the room and know what you're dealing with. Know the type of artist. Know his mood. Know what, you know what I'm saying? Just like know how quick you need to be when you need to 
breathe for a second, let him get his thoughts together. Like you gotta really read what's going on with the artist. Right, so just off of you saying like you're recording artists and stuff, it shows like cause you don't have to do that, bro. You you already was like well known, established, had your years, had your flowers and awards. So that just shows how hands on you is with an artist. And I just always want to revert back to like just building and like true genuine relationships with artists and stuff like that. Yeah. So like the last question I want to ask you is give producers advice on really just grinding with an artist and coming up with an artist. <clears throat> I mean that should take a lot, you know what I mean? It take a whole lot, but. It- just as far as that, you got to believe in motherfuckers, man. I met so many people before they was really, like, even, bro, I I, I met Drake in, I think, 07. It was 06, 07. He came to our, the studio I was just telling you about me and Chase had when we moved to Atlanta. I remember Drake coming through, like, completely different, like, person. Like, he, like, so far gone, wasn't coming out for another two, three years at that point. So, you know what I mean? Just, like. I could have been like, nigga, I mean, and I did have a relationship with bro, like a lot closer than we are now. We was like, like talk damn near every, at least once, twice a week type shit, sending him beats all the time at that time. But, you know, just like really kind of knowing that you don't know who the fuck is going to be next. You don't know who going to be that person. So like, you got to just treat everybody with that respect and give them like as much as you can on the musical side to just like really build. I've seen Travis. That nigga, man, I watched bro literally from first time. Like, not even, I wouldn't say it's his first time in Cali, but you know when he was really getting out, here, getting his feet wet out here. Like, I knew bro. The nigga even had no hair at the time. You know what I mean? Like, I knew, I knew him, bro, since then. I knew Frank Ocean. Frank Ocean first placement was on me and Chase and Cash beat. It was a Brandy song called First in Love. That was his first like industry placement. You know what I mean? So I, and he wasn't even an artist then. He was just writing. So it's like I watch niggas, and it's like. Sometimes I think about, you know, and I, I'm, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm cool with niggas to a certain point, but it's like maybe I could be cooler with niggas if I thought about it at the time. It's like these motherfuckers could be the next Jay Z's and Kanye's and shit like that. You don't think about it at the moment, but like if it's a, if it's somebody you believe in and you think is dope, like just take them like fully serious. Yeah, it'd be perspective. I think like your um, ability to build relationship with artists like contributed to your success like majorly. No, 1,000. 1,000 for sure. Well, bro, we just want to say, man, I appreciate you for hopping on here. I've been saying this shit all goddamn month, but like, I really appreciate when like producers like y'all who could go to the platforms like Breakfast Club or DJ Academics, like y'all super producers, you feel me? So when y'all come to a little platform like us in the hip hop community, Community that means a lot to like me, me, me type shit. Well, y'all pushing this shit forward, man. I'm seeing y'all clips just as much as whatever podcast. So, you know what I'm saying? It's respect. Yeah, just keep going crazy. So, man, well, that's a wrap, man. We still in the LA trip. We going strong right now. You feel Uh, me? It ain't even even Grammy Sunday yet. It's still Saturday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Y'all got time. But we see y'all later, gang. That's a wrap.